Juicers, I'm Alyssa. And I'm Brooke. And this is For God's Sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. So, welcome back to episode... Eight. Is it not nine? Eight. Is it eight? Pretty sure it's eight. Uh, yep, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have them saved wrong in my fucking computer, because I have... No, I have it saved right. Yep, okay, we're good. Sweet. So, today... This is supposed to be the recording of episode eight and listener juice. But um, somehow or another, everything that we've ever created for this podcast was deleted and off of... Uh, gone forever. Yeah, gone forever off this computer. So we're going to be a week behind with, with listener juice. It's getting late. I live like 40 minutes away from Brooke. And she's been here like six hours and we've accomplished nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, my computer literally just like wiped out everything we've ever done. Everything. And then it took us an hour and a half to find the website that we downloaded our theme song from. It's been a nightmare. So we apologize. No listener juice this week. I am so, 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 so sorry. But we promise we'll have it for you next week. We will. (laughs) Hope if something else doesn't go terribly wrong. Yeah, it's also storming (laughs) super bad outside. So if you hear that, I'm sorry. (laughs) Also, also, um, we do currently have enough um, listener juice stories in our inbox to complete our next listener juice episode. But... We need more for next month. So if you have a paranormal story, a true crime story, something that has happened to you personally, or maybe something that has even happened to a family member or a friend of yours, and you want to tell us about it, please send us an email. Um, so we'll, you know, we can continue this trend and at least release one listener juice a month. Yes. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and give them the email just in case they don't listen mm-hmm. to the rest of this, but it's don't drink the Jones juice at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And just in your, in the subject, type in listener juice and then whatever subject you want to type in for it. Um, what was I about to say about that? Oh, it, it can also be like sleep paralysis if you've done like astral projection. It doesn't necessarily have to be ghost stories yeah, or murder stories. Just send us creepy, weird things. If your uncle was a crackhead running a crack house, <laughs> tell us about it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be murder, strictly murder. Yeah. If you were abducted by an alien and you ended up having an alien baby... We want to know. Yes, we do. So send those in. (laughs) But we definitely need some more stories, guys. So please, please, please send them. Yes, please do. We won't lose those (laughs) because they're in our email. Yes. Also, um, here's another little exciting something um, that has happened, I guess, over the last few days. Um, So Alyssa and I like to keep up with our analytics um, in our app Mm -hmm. that shows us, you know, male, female, you know, who's listening, um, and where they're from and what they're listening from, whether it be Spotify, Apple podcasts, you know, whatever. Um, well, suddenly people are listening from like across the globe. We've got people, I don't know if you're listening or maybe just clicking either way. It's still freaking awesome, (laughs) but we're getting out there. Um, we had, do you mean to read them? Yeah. Read them. Okay. So Obviously, most of our audience is from the U.S., but we have people from Canada, the U.K., Ireland, Brazil, India, Norway, Thailand, Germany, 
Iceland, Australia, and Argentina listening. How fucking awesome <laughs> or is just clicking that? On us. Well, either way, I mean, that means it's it's getting out it's there. It's reaching, yeah. Yeah. So that's super exciting. When we saw that, we were like, holy what? crap. <laughs> yeah. You guys, follow our Facebook group if you're from another country or yeah. another state. Like, we would love to have you in there. We have a lot of fun in there. We're always doing stupid stuff. So <laughs> We also do giveaways. We do do giveaways. And um, we'd like to do another one, you know, sometime in the next couple of weeks. So join our Facebook group. It is, for God's sakes, don't drink the Jones juice. For God's sake, don't drink. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Whatever. For God's sakes. For God's sakes. For, for God's sake, don't, don't drink, drink the Jones juice. juice. Yeah. We also have an Instagram page. Um, don't drink the Jones juice. Mm-hmm. So um, we need more followers there. Uh, we're lacking. Yeah, I just looked earlier and it was like 256 yeah. when our Facebook group has almost a thousand followers. Yeah. So we do do more in our Facebook group, but still we're needing some Instagram peeps. And we may end up doing a giveaway um, just just for Instagram. Yeah. So follow us on there if you have not. Yes, please do that because it looks so weak <laughs> compared yeah. to our Facebook group. It does. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, you're ready to get started? Yep, I think you go first today. I do. Okay. Um, so I'm not really sure just how to start this out, but um, we'll just go right into it. Okay. So, on December 31st, 1993, in a small town in Nebraska called Falls City, a handsome, clean-cut, 21-year-old trans man with big blue eyes was brutally beaten, raped, and murdered in one of the most heinous and well-known hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community in American history. His name was Brandon Tina. Are you familiar with this? No. Good. I was hoping you weren't. Um, You may realize once I kind of talk about it more who this is. Okay. So um, to our listeners, if you aren't familiar with this story or you're unsure what a trans man is, um, a trans man is a biologically born female, um, or I guess you could say that they were assigned the female gender at birth. Like physically? Yeah. Yes. Um, it is a female to male transgender. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually, <laughs> I don't know why, but I always struggled with knowing like a trans man and trans woman. You got them confused. Uh, yeah. And so I asked somebody like one of my friends, cause I don't, I want to be knowledge on this kind of thing. Yeah. And they explained it to me. And so yeah. now it makes sense to me and I'm like, okay. So yeah, if I you guys don't know, that is what a trans man is. So now, you know. Um, very important knowledge to have. So, um, Brandon Tina was actually born Tina Brandon, and he was born on December twelfth, nineteen seventy-two, in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, I actually heard in a podcast recently that, uh, like the like trans community hates when you talk about their quote unquote dead name, which is the name they had before transitioning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i didn't know that mm-hmm. i thought because you know when you read most stories about 
you know a trans person mm-hmm. dying or whatever they are they're always like formally known as yeah well i do not do that at all in this story um mm-hmm. i fully intend on calling him what he would have wanted to be called which is brandon and, right. and he was brandon so i will refer to him as brandon from now on um So, and I don't know if this will be familiar to you, Alyssa, um, but in 1999, the movie Boys Don't Cry. Do you remember that movie? I know the name of it. So, it starred Hilary Swank, and she played Brandon. Okay. So, that movie made this story familiar to most Americans at the time. Um, Oddly enough, Hilary Swank was actually born in Lincoln, Nebraska as well, um, just a year and a half later. So, that's interesting, right? Yeah. I remember seeing this when I was a teenager, and I cried for days. Like, it was just super depressing. And um, this has been on my list of my miles and miles long of crimes that I've been wanting to cover since the start. So this is just one of those that has always just really, really affected me. And uh, Well, so far, it sounds absolutely mortifying. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's it's heartbreaking. It's all of those things. So, um, a little bit of background on Brandon Tina. So, as I said earlier, he was born in December of 1972 in Lincoln, Nebraska. He was born to his mother, Joanne, who was only 16 years old. Oh, wow. Yes. Brandon's father, Patrick, passed away in a car accident eight months before he was born. Oh, no. So I also read that it was alcohol related. Uh-huh. I don't know on which end, but yeah. So um, That's extremely tragic. It's like the mother having to go the rest yeah. of the pregnancy. And she was just a baby, you know? Yeah. Poor, poor girl. So he was raised just simply by Joanne, his mother, and he never knew his father. Oh, this is weird. So, Joanne named him after her German Shepherd dog. (laughs) Come on, Joanne. (laughs) So, she had, like, a beloved German Shepherd named Tina Marie. And so, she named Brandon, you know, Tina Brandon. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tina Brandon was his uh, birth given name. Named him Tina. But Tina um, was spelled T-E-E-N-A, while the dog was T-I-N-A Marie. Um, Ansley's boyfriend, mm-hmm. Francis's dad, had a cat named Francis. So no, <laughs> I don't think they named her after, after the, the cat. cat. <laughs> that is so odd. Like I can't imagine. Like you know, Emery. Okay, so I have a uh, lab pit mix that is my absolute heart. He's an eleven-year-old, um, and I adopted him probably about nine years ago but he is my baby and i can't imagine having a child and being like i'm gonna name him or her emory like are you kidding me like you say emory to the baby and the dog comes running right. like what that is bizarre but whatever do a you dog named buster <laughs> name Titus buster <laughs> oh my god do you joanne do you So, uh, Brandon had one older sister named Tammy, and she was three years older than him. Okay, so let's stop for a minute. Remember, Joanne was 16 when she had Brandon. That means she was 13 13 when she had Tammy. What was happening in this girl's life? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? That's just a tragic story in and of itself. Absolutely. 
So, yeah, she was 16 and 13 when she had Tammy. Oh, my um, God. Brandon and Tammy lived with their maternal grandmother before being reclaimed by their mother when Brandon was three and Tammy was six. So, the family resided in a mobile home park in Northeast Lincoln. The family could be described as less fortunate or even poor, um, but it was a fairly stable household, and Joanne did what she could do. You know what I mean? She worked hard. She, um, you know, she did all she could as a single mom. Right. So, but, um, yeah, she worked in a women's retail store, and she also received disability checks. So, she did what she could to support the family, you know. How old was the dad? I, I have no idea, but he must have been young, I would assume. I don't know. Maybe not. Eek. I hope I they were the, about the same age. I know. Me too. Oof. So, um, sadly, it was later found out that when Brandon and Tammy were little, they were sexually abused by their uncle for several years. Oh, no. Um, Brandon did go through counseling for the trauma later in life. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that did happen. I hope that helped him. I hope so. Uh, Brandon's family described him as being a tomboy um, ever since he was a little kid. And he began identifying as a male during adolescence. And he dated a female student during this period. His mother rejected his male identity and continued referring to him as her daughter. She just was not about it. She's like, this is my daughter. Her name is Tina. I refuse. I'm not calling you Brandon, which I find heartbreaking. I think it is heartbreaking, but I could understand being upset about, like, you know, your child, you know, wanting to be a different gender than what they physically were. I understand, I I guess, but you you support that child no matter what, you know? You should accept, like, if if that were to happen with Titus in the future, it would probably, it would upset me for sure because, you know, he was my son for so long and now, you know he's transitioning to become a girl of course i would support him yeah but it would be upsetting because that's it would it would just be like i don't i can't explain it you know it would just it'd just be so different than you know yeah like i gave birth to a beautiful little boy and Mm -hmm. he was always my little boy and then now he's becoming a girl i'm sure it would be a hard thing to deal with as a mother to adopt to but you still support that child no matter what and you don't disrespect them by no no, you're still my daughter oh yeah i mean no you definitely don't do that you just silently be sad about it yeah yeah support that like don't let them know that you're sad about it yeah is what i mean exactly So, um, Brandon and his sister attended St. Mary's Elementary School, and they went to a Catholic high school um, in Lincoln. And Brandon was remembered by his classmates as being socially awkward, which is understandable. He's going through a lot mentally and trying to figure out who he is. And (laughs) I was socially awkward. I still. I feel like we all were at that (laughs) age. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's some people who are just born to not be socially awkward. Yeah, I definitely did not get that. (laughs) Right. So during his second year in high school, Brandon rejected Christianity after he prost protested to a priest at his high school regarding Christian views on abstinence and homosexuality. Um, He also began to violate the school dress code and started dressing in a much more masculine fashion. So he was constantly getting in trouble for dressing as a boy. So he's just a rebel. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do me. 
If y'all don't like it, oh well, too that bad. That takes a lot of courage, especially Absolutely. when it's this, this is in the 90s, so, yeah. you know, people were not as accepting and especially in a small town oh yeah you know these are small-minded people you you have to be so sure of yourself to do that i'm sure even in today's time it would be insanely difficult and we're talking you know 30 years ago yeah that would have been very hard well go go brandon i know right he was ahead of his time for sure so, um, in December 1990, Brandon went to a holiday skate park with his friends, and he he uh, binded his breast to pass as a boy. He then met four, a 14-year-old girl named Heather and began regularly dressing as a male. In the months nearing his high school graduation, Brandon became unusually outgoing and was remembered by his classmates as the class clown. Um, I think at that point he was kind of, he felt like he could be himself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, He began skipping school and failing his classes and ended up being expelled just three days before his high school graduation. Not good. Not good. (laughs) Yeah. But he was just, you know, being him. Get your shit together, Brandon. I know. Um, He enlisted in the army soon after his 18th birthday, but he failed the written entrance entrance exam by listing his sex as a male i know poor thing so in the summer of 1991 brandon began his first real relationship with heather who i spoke about a little bit ago are we gonna hate heather no okay heather really doesn't have a whole lot to do with this story okay so shortly after that, um, Brandon got a job at a gas station and he was trying to purchase a trailer for himself and his girlfriend. Um, his mother, however, did not approve of this relationship and convinced uh, her daughter Tammy to follow Brandon and find out whether his relationship with Heather was strictly friendship or a relationship. So Tammy, Tammy, yeah, Tammy. She, Joanne got Tammy. Go back home, Tammy. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Am I going to hate Tammy? No. Okay. So, in January 92, Brandon underwent a psychiatric evaluation, which concluded that he was suffering from a severe sexual identity crisis. That's so fucked up. For years? For all of his life? Sexual identity crisis. Hmm. Can you imagine that, like, him somebody being diagnosed with that nowadays that would be so unacceptable yeah like no he is trans you know what i mean it's not a sexual identity crisis so he was later taken to lancaster county crisis center to ensure that he was not suicidal that's what these people are thinking back here in the 90s like he must be suicidal he doesn't know who he is yada 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 So he was released from that center three days later, and he began attending therapy sessions, sometimes accompanied by his mother and sister. Um, He really didn't discuss his sexuality during these sessions. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, they're making you feel like a freak, you know? Yeah, they're making you seem like you have something wrong with you. Exactly. So, um, but he did eventually reveal that he had been raped. Oh, no. So, the counseling sessions ended... Like, by the uncle or by somebody? Correct. Yeah. So, the counseling sessions ended about two weeks later. Brandon and Heather eventually broke up, and in 1993, after some legal trouble, he decided to move 
decided to move to Falls City, Nebraska, where he could start over fresh, where no one knew him and identify, and he could identify solely as a man. Um, so I think that was a great idea. He's oh, like, yeah. I'm getting away from this small town bullcrap. I'm going somewhere else. Nobody knows my name. Nobody knows my story. I can go and just live my life and be who I want to be. Yeah, it's the best way to do it. Exactly. I think. So he became he uh, became friends with several of the local residents. Um, he was like super outgoing, you mm-hmm. know. At the time, he went from socially awkward as a child, but um, you know, once he began began finding himself, he you know, just, he was very social. He was, you know, um, very friendly, very, uh, you know, the party guy. Everybody yeah. loved him, you know. Good for him. Yeah. So he ended up moving into the home of Lisa Lambert, which was a friend of his. And he began dating Lambert's friend, 18-year-old Lana Tisdall. And he became friends with ex-cons John L. Lauder and Marvin Thomas Neeson, who went by Tom. So this was kind of like their little group uh-huh. that they, you know, they always hung out. Lana, <laughs> Lisa. Lana Lambert. Lana Tisdall and Lisa Lambert. Lisa, that mm-hmm. Lisa Lambert sounds familiar. So he moved into Lisa Lambert's home and started dating her friend Lana. Okay. And uh, around the same time became became friends with John and uh, Tom. So the they were all convicts. Kind of, yes, exactly. They were all kind of just a group that right. always hung together. Bad, probably not the best uh, choice in friendships. Yeah, I would you know? say so. But so um, December 1993, Brandon was arrested for forging checks and his girlfriend Lana paid his bail with money that she got from her father. When she came to pick him up, to her shock, she realized that Brandon was in the female section of the jail. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. She never. I guess they he never did not. Physical. Yeah, he okay. did not tell her. She didn't know. I guess if you are a trans person, that's probably something that you would be kind of scared to do. Well, especially back then. Yeah, you know what I mean. Now I feel like that makes me really sad. It, yeah, it is sad. Um, <laughs> small little note here. So I read that most of the legal trouble that Brandon got into. It was mostly for stealing credit cards and forging checks and that kind of thing. This, he did this kind of thing a lot. Mm-hmm. But it was always to buy women gifts. So he was, like, <laughs> just, like, the little Casanova. Like, right. all the women wanted him. He, you know, just gave all the women, you know, all Doing the nice Doing the wrong things. thing for the right reasons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure exactly what kind of checks he was forging, but I have a feeling it was probably to buy all the girls it's things. It's honestly kind of cute. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna do that, like, at least, you know, you're giving people gifts, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, um, like I said, she realizes that he's in the female section of the jail, and she's like, what the hell? Like, what's up with this? Yeah. Well, Brandon tells her that he's a hermaphrodite, and that he's looking into a sex change operation. She accepted that, and they continued to date. Did she really accept it? Yeah, I mean, okay, she, at, you know, she's like, okay, like, I love you. We're going to do this, whatever, you know. That's nice. Yeah. So, I mean, she didn't break up with him. I, I feel like that would be a huge shock. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And once you see him, um, I will be posting pictures. Um, to me, maybe because I already know, but I feel like he he looks 
female, mm-hmm. but um, maybe he won't to you. I don't know. Okay. I, um, you know, he was just a small guy and, um, you know, soft features and that kind of thing. Right. But, I mean, I could see how, you know, people would think he was biologically male also. So, yeah. We'll okay. post pictures. How old was he during this time? So, I believe he was 21. Okay. At his death. Yes, he was 21. So, ooh, this part really sucks. So, unfortunately, Brandon's arrest was posted in the local paper. Oh, no. Under his birth name. <laughs> Because he hadn't had it legally changed. You yeah. know what? I'm, I'm sure it was very difficult to do that kind of thing back then. Oh, I'm sure. So several of his acquaintances learned that he was assigned female at birth. And you can imagine, you know, you've been hanging out with these folks and all of a sudden they're like, what? Oh, yeah. You know, he has been lying to us. Yeah. So he became the talk of the town. People were pissed off and just everybody's like, why the fuck did you lie to us? Like, that's screwed up, you know? But then also, like, if he would have came out and told the truth, they wouldn't have accepted exactly. him. So what is he supposed exactly. to do? Exactly. And I'm sure he didn't intend on getting put in jail. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, again, this was, like, a super conservative town. Um, small-minded folks, you know. I'm, it's time to move to the big city. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, God, I mean, even, you know, small towns today aren't near as nearly as accepting of uh, the LGBTQ plus community as, you know, the bigger cities are. So imagine yeah. 30 years ago. Oh, oh, where I live? No. Oh, no. no. <laughs> it's no. literally a super small town. Everybody there is just a white fucking country person <laughs> i'm sure that if, kind of thing is not accepted in small towns oh no. even today i'm sure if a trans person walked through my town everybody it, would be talking and they'd be staring and yeah. you know like everybody knows everybody exactly in my town so i can't imagine i hate it's, that oof, so much i do too <clears throat> so um also i don't live there by choice so <laughs> don't come at me <laughs> Yeah, there just wasn't awareness about this sort of thing um, in small towns back then, or even today. So, um, just a few days later, at a Christmas Eve party, so this would have been December 24th, um, he was arrested on the 19th, so Mm -hmm. just, what is this, five days later? So, like, their group has, like, a Christmas Eve party, you know, all their friends are getting together, hanging out, drinking, that kind of things. Um, Brandon's so-called friends, who I mentioned earlier, John Lauder and Tom Neeson, who were enraged about Brandon's birth gender, attacked him, humiliated him, and forced him to drop his pants to his knees, proving to the guests at the party and his girlfriend, Lana, that he had a vagina. Jesus Christ. How mortifying. What pieces of sorry shit. I can't even, dude. I can't wrap my head around it. Somebody at that party should have stood up for him. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you've got girlfriend. these dangerous ex-cons. I don't fucking care. Well, his girlfriend, I think she was as, as scared as he probably was because um, I read that she refused to look until they, like, basically physically made her look. So she was probably like, oh, my God, I'm like, no, like, you know. I don't know. That seems weird to me. Yeah. It seems like she was embarrassed. Well, either that or just, like. Fuck Lana. Just kidding. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they did that. I, I think that is just so mortifying. Oh, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, that's absolutely 
assault. It, oh, yeah. So Lauder and Neeson beat Brandon and kidnapped him, forcing him into a car. Like right after that? Yeah. Oh my God. At this party. Uh, did somebody call 911? Well, let's see. So they drove him to a remote area by a meat packing plant in Richardson County and then assaulted him and gang raped him. Yeah. Oh my God. Heartbreaking. I don't fucking understand that. Like these two dudes are enraged that he was biologically a girl. So Mm -hmm. the, you know, most logical thing to do is fucking rape him. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that going to accomplish? Isn't that disgusting? I just, the logic is not fucking there. Just so pissed off I'm going to rape you? Like, what? <laughs> like, how the fuck are you getting sexually aroused? Yeah. Like, if you're just, that grossed out by it. Right. And angry about it. Then, jeez. <laughs> so, they, did, they then returned to Neeson's home, where they ordered Brandon to take a shower to wash away any DNA evidence. Brandon ended up uh, escaping by climbing out the bathroom window, and he went to Lana's house. It's not where I would have gone. I know. So, Lana convinced him to file a police report, even though Neeson and Lauder had warned him not to go to the police, or they would, quote, silence him permanently. So, Brandon also went to the emergency room where a standard rape kit was assembled, but of course, it was later lost. Yeah, like the Of course. Of course. Ooh. So, Sheriff Charles B. Laux questioned Brandon about the rape, and he seemed especially interested in uh, Brandon's transsexuality. Even to the point that Brandon found his questions completely rude and unnecessary and just refused to answer. Um, There is a recording of this questioning on YouTube. I listened to it. And it is absolutely fucking appalling. This sheriff is a disgusting human. What do you say? Um, Some of the things he said, um, I put this in my notes. He says, do you run around with a sock in your a sock in your pants to make you look like a boy? And the girls that don't know about you, do you kiss them? Um, there was another thing he said something about. Uh, so when the guys poked you, did blah 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 blah. He was just, just crude. When the guys poked you, poked you, yeah. What does that mean? Like raped you, poked you. Yeah, let's describe poke gang raping as poked joke. Yeah, he was disgusting. Like, the way he worded things, he literally cared more about trying to figure out why Brandon was Brandon than he was about these men assaulting and raping him. So, it is awful. You have to listen to the recording on YouTube. Like, it is just sick. Like, the sheriff is just a close-minded, redneck piece of shit. I just want to go ahead and say that I don't give a fuck what you believe Mm -hmm. or what your opinion is on things. Treat people with fucking respect Mm -hmm. and with dignity. I mean, like, if they break the child, yeah, whatever. They're a fucking animal. But, like, based on their sexuality, their gender, their fucking race. Well, in today's time, I feel like that sheriff would have been fired real quick. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe depending on where. 
Yeah, depending you know? on where, I'm sure there are still, pl- like, probably where I live. Yeah. Something like that would happen. You guys have to listen to it. Like, it is just, ugh. Um, he's just awful. Just overly sexual. Um, gets way too personal. Oh, I, he probably fucking got his rocks getting, off yeah, to it later. getting off to it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's disgusting. And that's so weird. That goes back yeah. to the gang raping stuff. Like, if mm-hmm. you are that disgusting disgusted by this person why are you questioning yeah Yeah. like why are you getting so invested in Mm -hmm. it and like just being sexual with this person i wish i don't know would we be allowed to like play the clip i mean we played kind of yeah that's true hitchhiker i mean i i think you need to like hear it to understand i i just i it makes me want to vomit plug it in here i think maybe we should so they can kind of hear what the kind of thing that brandon went through you know we can plug it in right now tom held your arms which way was he standing beside you behind you or what how'd he hold you and then he took him tom or uh john under your pants right you pulled your pants down how far? Past your knees. How far did you pull your underpants down? Okay. What did you have in your underpants? Nothing in your underpants? I found my earlier socks. No, you pulled your pants down. You didn't have socks. You run around once in a while with a sock and your pants make you look like a boy? Yeah. Alright, so after you pulled your pants down, I seen you as a girl. What did he do? Did he ponder you any? You didn't find any, huh? Doesn't that kind of amaze you? After he pulled your pants down, you been wanting to take you to bed, and you told him no, that you was a boy, and he couldn't do that. Doesn't that kind of get your attention somehow that he would have put his hands in your pants and play with you a little bit? Huh? I don't want to. I can't believe that if he pulled your pants down and you're a female, that he didn't stick his hands in you. Or your finger in you. I can't believe he didn't. Tom looked at me and he goes, John, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, I'll walk in the bathroom. Walk in the bathroom and John turned around and held the door and Tom hit me and I was on the tub. The back of me hit me again. I fell on the floor and kicked me in the ribs a hundred times. Stuck on my back. And he picked me up in my coat, carried me out to the car. When I got to the back seat, this was me, something was going to happen. That's the one. I did that with him. I did play. Tom told me he goes, you need to see it, you make it hard. And he goes, Rocky right, said that, he said, you need to so get the shit out of him and have it happen anyway. Have what happen? So when they got ready to poke you, how was your position in the back seat? On my back. He was on your back. And what did he try to start in the first half? Yeah. I was that one. They tried singing your mind down, and you say you never had sex before, is that correct? Right. And which one tried to do this first? Tom. And Tom couldn't get it in you? Huh? He said he couldn't, but... Alright. He said he couldn't get you... He couldn't get it in. Well, I know it hurt. I don't know what Tom is Where are you going? First was Tom. Is that fair? That's fair. Then Tom got out, and what did he do? Yeah, he said he should Then what happened? And then when John got the back seat, what did he do? He did everything he told me. Alright. 
After he got his pants down, he got a spread of you, or had you spread out, and he got a spread of you then. Then what happened? Well, how did, let's back up here for a second. First of all, you didn't say anything about him getting it up. Did he have a heart on when he got back there, or what? I don't know. I didn't look. He didn't look. Did he take a little time working it up, or what? Did you work it up for him? No, I didn't. You didn't work it up for him? No. Then do you think he had it worked up on his own, or what? I guess no, I don't know. And you've never had any sex before? No. How old are you? 21. And if you're 21, you think you'd have, you'd have trouble getting married? Right. Oh, yeah. Neeson and Lauder found out that they had been reported, so they began to search for Brandon. They did not find him initially, um, and three days later, the police questioned them. The sheriff, same sheriff Lokes, declined to have them arrested due to, quote, lack of evidence. They're literally searching for them. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure if Lana would have said something. Yep. Like, yeah, they made him pull his pants down to Mm -hmm. expose his genitals in Mm -hmm. front of everybody. And -hmm. then they beat him and fucking raped him. Mm -hmm. They would have to do something. Yes. Mm -hmm. But let's not question the friends because we don't give a fuck about this person. Yeah. So this sheriff refused to arrest the men who had committed this horrifying crime because and i quote 
what kind of person was she? The first few times we arrested her, she was putting herself off as a guy. Because she's a guy. What else because do you want? Because he's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sheriff, all I got to say is you have all the blood on your hands, bud. For real. Ugh. Disgusting. So, around 1 o'clock a.m. on December 31st, 1993, Neeson and Lauder drove to Lisa Lambert's old farmhouse home where Brandon lived and broke in. They were on a journey to fulfill that promise of silencing him permanently. These motherfuckers better go to prison. If they don't, I'm fucking flipping this microphone. Oh. They found Lisa Lambert in bed and demanded to know where Brandon was. Lambert refused to tell them. She's Good. like, nope, not telling you. So the men searched and found Brandon hiding under the bed. Okay, was 911 called again? The moment but. I woke up and saw these people breaking into my house, um, I would have called in the police. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the police are really going to do something. We've already learned about them out there. But, hey. Yeah, but if the police did show up... Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Lisa didn't have to be like, they're here for my, mm-hmm. you know, friend who, you know, blah, blah, mm-hmm. liter- She literally could be like... These- Somebody just broke into my home. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the men then asked Lambert if anyone else is- was in the house. And she replied that Philip Devine, who at the time was dating Lana's sister, was staying with her as well. So, they then shot both witnesses in the head, meaning both Devine and Lambert. Oh, nice. And shot Brandon in front of Lambert's toddler. I read that they shot them all at least twice in the head. Um, Neeson later testified in court that he noticed that Brandon was twitching. So he asked Lauder for a knife and he stabbed Brandon in the chest to make sure that he was dead. Neeson and Lauder placed Lambert's toddler in a crib and left. They just butchered a whole house full of people in front of a child and left. God, that poor kid. The poor people that just had to die because of these racist, uh, what the hell ever, homophobic loser. Rapists. Yeah. Ugh. Jesus. So... Lambert's mother found their bodies and Lambert's son screaming in his crib on New Year's Day. How much later was this? New Year's Day. So it happened uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. So um, the men were arrested and charged with murder. Good. Uh, Neeson accused Lauder. three counts of murder? Well, let's see. Oh, my God. Neeson accused Lauder of committing the crime committing the murders and in exchange for a reduced sentence neeson admitted to being an accessory to the rape and murder neeson testified against lauder and was sentenced to life in prison lauder denied neeson's testimony and his testimony was discredited the jury found lauder guilty of murder and he received the death penalty good Lauder and Neeson both appealed their convictions, and in September 2007, Neeson recanted his testimony against Lauder. He claimed that he was the only one to shoot Tina, and Tina, when I say Tina, that's Brandon's last name, and that Lauder had not committed the murders. 
In 2009, Lauder's appeal using Neeson's new testimony to assert a claim of innocence was rejected by the Nebraska Supreme Court, which held that since, even after Neeson's revised testimony, both Lauder and Neeson were involved in the murder, the specific identity of the shooter was legally irrelevant. Good. Yes, I agree 100%. They did something fucking right. Mm Mm-hmm. In August 2001, a three-judge panel of rejected uh, rejected John Lauder's appeal in a split decision. Then on January 22, 2018, Lauder was denied a third appeal by the U.S. Supreme Court. So Brandon's mother, Joanne, refused to accept him as anything other than her daughter before his death. And again, I find that heartbreaking and just awful, awful for him. Yeah. Um, In a recent interview, she was quoted as saying, I wonder how my life would have been different if she was still here with me. She would be such a joy to have around. She was always such a happy kid. I imagine her being a happy adult. And if happy meant Tina living as a man, that would be fine, she said. Joanne did sue the sheriff for not offering Brandon protective custody when he reported the rape. And uh, for the two killers' death threats, Um, a judge in 1999 found the county partially at fault for Brandon's death and ordered the county to pay Joanne $17,360. That's a shitty bail. $17,000. Partially at fault. No, Sheriff Lokes, your ass should be in jail. In prison, for sure. Absolutely. Should have been... On the stand with the killers. Yes, Neeson and Lauder are the murderers, but I feel like, Sheriff, you were an accessory to that oh, crime. for sure. You didn't give a fuck about this dude's no. safety. All you cared about was what he biologically was and what he, you know. Probably what you could masturbate to at night. Sick fuck. So, um, Brandon Tina is buried in Lincoln Memorial Cemetery in Lincoln, Nebraska, and his headstone is inscribed with his birth name, Tina Brandon, in the quote, daughter, sister, and friend. Hate it. Hate. Hate to hear that. Hate. Let's go change it. Yeah, I know, right? Let's go break that tombstone and put up a new one. <sighs> that is just so insulting. You know? I like how they did that, even though the mom was like... I would love for him to still be here, even if he was living living as a man. But I'm still going to make his tombstone say his birth name and birth gender. So insulting. So insulting. Poor Brandon. He had it rough, man. And uh, that was probably one of, you know, like I said, probably one of the most well-known hate crimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the 90s. It, it was a big deal. I think that... Might have kind of opened the minds of some people. I know? hope so, yeah. So, and, and and sadly, this kind of thing is still happening to this day. Yeah. You know? People are so closed-minded. Um, but it's not even a matter of closed-mindedness. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of just being a despicable human. And being ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, it's it goes along with, like like I could never be in a non-monogamous monogamous relationship mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna go fucking kill people who yeah. are polyamorous exactly. you know what I mean like exactly. that's it's it's, it's not none the same of your business thing. but yeah it's also just it's not your fucking business yeah like just 
if you don't like it, turn your eyes. Exactly. Like, don't be his friend. Yeah, you don't have to associate with him, oh. but you definitely don't have to rape, beat, humiliate, and kill them. Yeah. You don't have to say anything to them. Yeah. Just fucking look away. I don't want to be your book. friend anymore. I don't agree with your lifestyle. You know what I mean? Don't even say that. Just fucking just yeah. leave them alone. It's so sad. I hate that. I don't know what. You'll have to watch the movie Boys Don't Cry. It's an older movie, but like I said, I watched it as a teenager and like I cried. I cried. I still remember like the so- like the songs and like the soundtrack and like if yeah. I hear those songs to this day, I'm like, Ooh. I know it's a sad one. That movie got a lot of um, I don't know um, heat. Yeah, and uh, just I know like some of like the portrayal portrayals of some of like the uh, real life people like. They didn't like how the actors portrayed them. And I think, like, Lana said something along the lines of, like, they made her look like white trash or something. And I know they also, um, Philip, which was one of the witnesses in the home, mm-hmm. um, he was a black man. And if I'm not mistaken in Boys Don't Cry, they didn't even include him. So or they that, probably made him white if he was. Right, which is pretty shitty annoying so but uh it is a good it's a it's a sad movie but um so yeah i'll have to check it out that is the story of brandon tina that's so heartbreaking it really is i hate it i feel like all the stories that i cover like i'm super interested in stuff like that like Mm -hmm. the super brutal just devastating stuff but Mm -hmm. i feel like everything i've covered hasn't been that way Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to read about it in your head mm-hmm. and then another to talk about it. So I'm glad that you are talking about it. Yeah, it's tough. But um, the stories that I like to cover, I think it's just things that that need to be heard. Oh, yeah. You know? So. Well, I'm glad you did that. Hopefully, if we have listeners who don't agree with the trans lifestyle, mm-hmm. they'll open their mind and. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, well, that's it for story one, episode episode eight. <laughs> Here I go again. I, you know what? I think I went through that whole damn story without jumbling my words. You said one thing. Yeah. And I was proud of you because it was just that one thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good for you. Yay. <laughs> Do you want to pause it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. we're back um so my story today is about a child um basically whose family gets slaughtered oh no yeah so um i got most of my information from a reader's digest article Mm -hmm. um on the internet but there's also a book called Alone Orphaned on the Ocean. Okay. It's, uh, I cannot imagine being this girl. Uh, when all this took place, she was only 11, and everything that happens in it is just 
I don't know how she went on, dude. Wow. So. I'm very interested. Sorry, I'm trying to clear out my chest before I begin. <laughs> um, so, our story today begins with... Um, so the the main girl that is the story is about her name's Terry Joe Duperalt. Okay. Duperalt. So her father, Arthur Duperalt, um, he was an optometrist and he used to be in the Navy. Um, they lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. And he always had this huge dream of loading his family up in a sailboat. And uh, living, <clears throat> like, on uh, in the tropics for a year. And just living on that sailboat and sailing around and enjoying, you know, the beautiful blue waters. and Sounds great to me. <laughs> same. Uh, but they weren't really making enough money to do that. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> in, 19, in 1961... Arthur became successful enough in his career to take a week-long trip on a chartered yacht to um, the tropics. Um, And they decided to do that during the winter time Mm -hmm. because they lived in Wisconsin, and I'm sure it gets super cold there. And in the tropics, it's going to be nice. Oh, yeah. So his wife, Jean, their son, Brian, who was 14, and their two daughters, Terry Jo, who was 11, and Renee, who was 7. Um, they were going to uh, stay on that chartered yacht for a week in the tropics, and if they could do it, because, I mean, living on a sailboat with, you know, a family of five, I'm sure it could be kind of tense. Yeah. You know, because you're kind of in everybody's space. Um, if they could adapt well to it, they were going to expand their stay on the sea for longer. Okay. So trying it out for a week and just kind of see how it goes. Yeah. Cool. So they arrived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where they rented a boat called the Bluebell. It's a two-masted sailboat, and they hired a former Air Force fighter pilot and experienced sailor, Julian Harvey, to captain their ship. Mm-hmm. His wife, Dean, also came with them. So on Wednesday, November 8th, 1961, the, du- the Duperolts climbed aboard the Bluebell to begin their voyage to the Bahamas. Nice. Um, this was a dream come true for Arthur. Mm-hmm. So I imagine, well, I can't imagine the excitement he must be feeling because... He could afford it. Now, after so many years of just dreaming of it, everybody said he talked very often about wanting to do this. Wow. So it's finally happening. And as you know, their boat is sailing away from the dock into this beautiful crystal blue, just beautiful water mm-hmm. with that just sun heat on them. I'm sure he was just... Over the moon. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as a child, I'm sure that's also just super, super exciting. Yeah. So for the next four days, um, the Bluebell sailed east toward the tiny island chain of Bimini. And then they sailed farther east to Sandy Point, which is a village on the southwestern tip of 
I think it's pronounced Great Apaco, Abaco Island. Okay. The family spent the week snorkeling and collecting shells on the white and pink beaches. Nice. That sounds heavenly. (laughs) Right. So early Sunday, Arthur and the Harveys stopped by the office of Sandy Point Village. Commissioner Roderick uh, W. I meant to look up this. I think it's Pinder, P-I-N-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. To fill out forms for leaving the Bahamas and returning to the United States. He said, this has been a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. We'll be back before Christmas. And so that night, Dean Harvey, or Julian's wife, prepared a delicious dinner, which would be the last meal ever served on the Bluebell. Uh-huh. So around 9 p.m., they set sail again. And this was the first time that they would be traveling at night. Typically, mm-hmm. you know, they'd kind of, I guess, port for the night and... Just travel during the day. Yeah. I guess, it's, I'm sure it's really fucking dark yeah. <laughs> on the ocean at night. Yeah. Um, and that kind of confused Terry Joe because they had never done that. Yeah. But everybody seemed like they were having a good time. Everything was normal, so she just didn't think too much about it. How long had they been here at this point? I think four or five days. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she headed below deck to her sleeping quarters. Um, it was just a small little cabin, like, at the back of the boat. Mm -hmm. And usually her sister Renee slept in there with her, but at this point, um, she was up on deck with her parents and their and her brother Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the middle of the night, Terry Joe was startled awake by her brother yelling, "Help, Daddy, help!" Uh, she also heard some running and stamping noises, and then silence. What? So she lay in her bed, you know, terrified, mm-hmm. very confused. Um, you know, it's not often you hear your brother screaming help yeah. for your dad. Um, and so after about five minutes, Terry Jo left her cabin to kind of see what the heck was going on. Um, so she saw her mother and brother lying crumbled in a pool of blood <gasps> in the main cabin. Oh, my God. So it was a kitchen and dining room area, but at night it was a bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's probably where her parents stayed. Yeah. But now her mother and brother in a pool of blood. And she said that upon seeing them, she instantly knew they were dead. Yeah. So Terry Jo climbed the stairs and stuck her head out of the hatch. She saw more blood pulled on the starboard side of the cockpit and also a knife. Oh, God. So she climbed on deck and turned toward the front of the boat. And that's when Captain Harvey lunged at her and shoved her down the stairs saying, get back down there. So obviously she's horrified at this point. And um, she kind of just looked away from her mother and brother's dead bodies on the ground Mm -hmm. and returned back to her room. She crawled back into her bunk and then she soon heard a sloshing noise. What? After that, an oily-smelling water seeped into her cabin and covered the floor. This is when she realized that the ship was filling with water. Oh. She was too afraid to move at first, though, as I'm sure 
anybody would be, especially would be like frozen. Yeah, like, like what, what do I do? do? Yeah. Um. So while she's sitting there, kind of you know, just too scared to move, the captain Julian Harvey appeared in her doorway. Oh, he had something in his hands. She thought it was um, probably her brother's rifle, <gasps> and he stood down looking at her. Uh, or he stood looking down at her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the water, you know, was beginning to rise. And um, she was becoming more scared. And Julian Harvey, whenever the, I guess the water was slapping against the bulkheads, he turned and walked out of the cabin. And then she heard him climb the stairs and back to the upper deck. So thankfully... She wasn't hurt. So now the water is getting deeper and deeper, and it's touching her mattress now. Oh, God, that's so terrifying. Yeah, and so she knew she had to leave or she's going to get stuck in there with water. So she waded through waist deep of water to the stairs. She climbed to the top of the stairs again. Um, She saw the ship's dinghy and rubber life raft were floating beside the boat on the port side. So she called out, is the ship sinking? Mm-hmm. And Harvey replied, yes. And he came up behind her. He pushed the line to the dinghy into her hands, told her to hold it. And then Terry was so scared and shocked at what was happening that she let the line slip through her fingers, mm. which honestly is probably her saving grace. Mm-hmm. So the dinghy slowly drifted away from the sinking bluebell. And that's when Harvey jumped overboard to catch it. And Terry oh. Joe, yeah, she watched him swim after the dinghy, and then he just disappeared. Didn't come back up, huh? Nope. Good. So she remembered the cork lifeboat that was uh, kept lashed to the top right side of the main cabin, uh, which was just barely above water mm-hmm. at this point. She scrambled to the small float and quickly untied it. Just as the float came free, the boat deck sank beneath her feet into the ocean. (gasps) So, half crawling, half swimming, she pushed the float into the open water. Yeah. As she climbed onto the float, one of its lines snagged on the sinking ship. Oh my gosh. So, for a moment, Terry Joe and the float were pulled underwater as the bluebell sunk. How scary. Yeah. This poor baby. I know. Thankfully, the line came free, and the float with Terry on it, or Terry Joe, just popped back up to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just kind of huddled low on the float because she was scared that, you know, Julian Harvey is lurking in the dark water waiting yeah. for her to get down there. Oh, my God. Yeah. So obviously, because this sip the ship started sinking really fast and she's also 11 yeah she didn't have any food she didn't have any water she only had a thin blouse a thin blouse on and pink pants i mean honestly even a an adult who is gonna think like oh god i need to grab food and water you know yeah you're just panicking Mm and doing what you can you forget all reasoning okay i need to know where everybody else was we don't know no, there was 
they weren't in a pool of blood. They just, well, they were obviously dead, I'm assuming, already, right? Yeah. Well, she saw just her mother. And her brother. In the pool of blood. And then, you know, when she went up, she saw another pool of blood. But she didn't, didn't see, see a person. That. Okay, so, and you said that Harvey, or Julian Harvey, had his wife there also. Mm-hmm. So, just Julian went insane and killed everybody? We'll get to that later on. Okay. It's unknown, but there are... A theory. There is a theory about okay. what happened. So, just wearing a blouse and pink pants, she had nothing to protect her from the cold of the yeah. night or the blazing sun in the day. Oh. So, the moon set had set and um, clouds, you know, kind of blocked out the stars. Mm-hmm. So she had no light. Oh, that's so terrifying. Imagine being in the middle of the ocean at 11 years old on a cork float. Okay. A cork float <sighs> with no light. What? You probably couldn't even see your hands right in front of your no. face. And your family's dead. Yeah. And there's waves all around you. Who knows what kind of fish are lurking in the that water. That is like my biggest nightmare. Yes. my too. So, um, you know, waves were crashing against her and she had no idea when they were going to hit her because it was so dark. Mm -hmm. So she would just was constantly being hit by all these waves. She didn't know where they were going to come from, when they were going to hit next. And probably holding on for dear life. Yeah. And then she's getting water in her eyes and, you know, they're getting, it's getting in her mouth. It's stinging. She's in pain. She's cold. She's scared. It's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, so then it started raining. Oh, God. <laughs> and she began to shiver uncontrollably because she's so cold. Yeah. She has a nut. She doesn't have a blanket. She doesn't have a jacket. She's just a thin blouse. Wet clothes. Yeah. Thin wet blouse and thin wet pants. Mm-hmm. But then she kind of thought to herself, like, while all this is happening to her, her one thought is, where is my father? Yeah. She had no idea where her father was. I mean, she knew, obviously, she knew that he was dead. Yeah. She didn't see him. Yeah. Where is he? Yeah. What happened to him? Well, yeah. So the next morning, which was a Monday, the sun came up and um, it warmed her up. But then she realized that she's going to be exposed to direct sunlight all day long. All day long. Nothing to shield her from it. Nothing to Mm -hmm. protect her skin from sunburn. Mm -hmm. And as the day progressed, um, the temperature quickly rose to 85 degrees and the sun began to scorch her. Well, yeah. On top of that, the flimsy float was beginning to disintegrate, (gasps) exposing her legs and feet to the sharp teeth of parrotfish. Ooh, what is that? I don't know. But Something scary. Bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're teeth. biting her feet. Yep. <gasps> oh my god! So, as the day drug on, she's getting thirstier and thirstier. She's horrified. She's you know getting burnt by the sun. Mm-hmm. She just lost her family, so I'm sure she's thinking about that. And also thinking about you're on the ocean all day by yourself with nothing to do. The only thing you're going to think about is. Your family just being slaughtered. Yeah. You know? But I don't know if there's like a bigger 
trauma that you could go through than witnessing all of that and then going through that. It's like two stories in one. It's a a family annihilation Mm -hmm. and then also a survival story of Mm -hmm. being trapped on the ocean. Yeah. Uh, Terry Joe said that even though her throat was getting dry and her mouth was getting dry and you know she hadn't eaten it or or anything she didn't have an appetite and she wasn't thirsty so i guess that's good well yeah i mean i don't know if you could even eat or drink you know oh yeah you're so absolutely just probably in shock oh yeah oh yeah i know when i'm in great distress like not not like that because you're not gonna be thinking about food oh no 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 so the next day on Tuesday, a small red plane circled above her. She watched it and waved at it for a long time with her blouse. And at one point, it dived down into her direction. She waved, but the, pain, the, the plane passed directly over her. Oh. She said it was close enough that she could see the details of its underside, but at an angle that made it impossible for the pilots to see her. Oh. Yeah. Like, there goes... All hope. Yeah. And and, and to see that, mm-hmm. I feel, in the middle of the ocean, that's a miracle. Yeah. And then after that happens, you think there's no way something like that's going to happen again. again. Yeah. Right. So, the chances were slim that someone in a passing ship or plane would spot Terry Jo. Um... Her white float and blouse and blonde hair made her look like just another white cap among multitudes tumbling over the blue surface of the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was floating in the Northwest Provi- Providence Channel, which would soon uh, drift north from the Gulf Stream and then east, carrying her across the wide Atlantic to the British Isles. Mm-hmm. A long way from Wisconsin. <sighs> A long way from anything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that afternoon, Terry Jo saw ghostly shapes about 30 yards from her, just beneath the water surface. Uh, the shape came closer, and she could see that they were porpoises. Oh. They stared up at her, and Terry Jo felt oddly comforted by yeah. her, and the the they stayed with her for a long time. They just... Aww. Yeah. She said she felt comforted by the whooshing sounds the creatures made as they came to the surface to breathe. Aww. Uh, and she said a little prayer of thanks to God for sending them. Yeah. I, I think at that point you're just so happy to see any kind of life. Oh, yeah. You know? And plus, like, you know, they're not dangerous. Yeah. So I'm sure she felt like where they were, she was also going to be safe. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, during the late afternoon, the sun broke, you know, through Mm -hmm. the clouds, and it's scorching her. Um, She splashed some water on her to, you know... Cool off. Yeah. Um, The sun dropped and finally sank below the horizon after just being scorched all day long. Um, And then Tuesday night, you know brought back the darkness with the clouds covering the, the stars and just, you know, the beating waves against her, you know, disintegrating float oh, and herself. So terrifying. She's lucky a storm didn't happen, you know? Oh, my gosh. But she said that the sun going down and the, the night 
sky coming into view gave relief to her body because i mean just oh yeah so many hours of being exposed to the sun yeah um so that night she dreamed that she was in the cockpit of an airliner coming in for a landing she saw the long straight converging lines of iridescent landing lights standing out with surreal brilliance against a fathomless flowing blackness (laughs) in her dream she saw her father seated peacefully with a glass of red wine and although she had never tasted wine it looked refreshing just Mm -hmm. what she needed to quench her thirst (laughs) and she heard his voice call out to her come on terry joe we're leaving Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. She seemed like she really loved her dad. Yeah. So now it's Wednesday. Um, it got very hot very quickly. Um, the glare of the sun caused her dry eyes severe pain. All her muscles ached. Her skin burned through her blouse and pants. Her lips were rough and swollen. Um... For most of the time, Terry Joe had to balance on the edge of the float because much of its rope wet webbing had broken away. Mm-hmm. So she's balancing now. God. She started hallucinating more, imagining a tiny desert island complete with a solitary palm tree. She tried paddling towards it, but it disappeared. And then she fell unconscious. Oh, no. She's also lucky she didn't fall off into the ocean. I know. What do you do then? Drown. Yeah, you just die. Ugh. You just die. So, on Thursday, she, when the sun rose, she did not feel its burning rays. She was in a deep sleep close to the threshold of death. Mm-hmm. Walls of water came at her one after another. Her raft was lifted to the tops of these steep cliffs, steep cliffs, then lowered into dark valleys. So she just getting on top of the wave, going mm-hmm. down. There's another wave coming, brings her up. Just continuously. Over. So horrifying. And she was unconscious. <sighs> How in the world did she not fall off? I have no idea. I mean, I'm just imagining when I'm at the beach and the waves, I mean, I've literally been, like, tumbled, you know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. lost rafts and and boogie boards and... Yeah. I mean, it will knock your freaking bathing suit off and knock things out of your hand. I don't know how in the world she held on like that. I don't know either. Especially being unconscious, just laying there. being so small. Yeah. Gosh. Maybe that was her advantage, was that she was so small. Maybe. So, on the fourth day, alone on the raft, she woke up, and she saw a huge shadow looming before her, and she described it as like a great beast. Mm-hmm. Um, it rumbled so deep that she could feel it po- its pounding rhythm in her chest. As she watched, it seemed to, like, turn... Um, what the heck? Oh, okay. It seemed like whatever it was um, turned into a great whale. Okay. Like the, the great beast turned into a great whale. Mm-hmm. And then into a solid black wall suspended in the air above her. So from a great beast 
to weld to a solid black wall. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds pretty frightening. Yeah. When she looked up to the top of that great wall, she saw heads and waving arms. Oh. She could faintly hear voices shouting. And then, finally, she became suspended in space, and strong arms lifted her up slowly as she slid back into a sleep. Wow. So, skipping ahead a little bit. When Julian Harvey was hired as Skipper of the Bluebell, not a lot was known about his earlier life, other than he was a retired Air Force lieutenant. Um, he was a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel married to Mary Dean Jordan. He was also, or she was an aspiring writer and former TWA flight attendant. Okay. That's all we know. That's it. Yeah. And he was a psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) So. And I want to know, so we don't know if was the woman involved or did he just kill her? I'll tell you. Okay. So. The day after the Bluebell went down, the lookout on a Puerto Rico uh, bound oil tanker spotted a small wooden dinghy floating in the middle of the broad and deep Northwest Providence Channel. When the captain pulled the tanker closer, Harvey yelled, My name is Julian Harvey. I am master of the Bluebell. No. He lived? Yeah. Bastard. I know. So... After he was rescued, (sighs) Harvey told the Coast Guard in Miami that he was the sole survivor of a grave accident. Um, In the middle of the previous night... He assumed she died. Yeah. Wow. He reported a sudden squall, which is like a sudden sharp increase of wind speed, Mm -hmm. that damaged the sailboat. His wife, Dean, and the Duperalts were injured when the mast's uh, ringing collapsed. And then he said that gas lines in the engine room ruptured and the ship caught fire as it slowly sank. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Harvey said that he had managed to launch the dinghy and raft and dive overboard, but everyone else was trapped inside. Hmm. Yeah. Convenient, huh? That's until Terry Lynn comes along and tells her side. Terry Joe, but yeah. Terry Terry (laughs) Joe. Sorry. My bad. So, a few days later, while he was staying at the Sandman Hotel, Harvey heard that Terry Joe had survived. Uh Uh-oh. The very next day, a maid at the hotel noticed blood on the sheets in Harvey's room. And when she couldn't open the bathroom door, her manager... He was... He killed himself. Yeah. Her manager called the police, and they forced the door open, and lo and behold, Julian Harvey... Had fucking killed himself. Of course he did. Because he knew Terry Joe was gonna tell on his ass. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he thought he was gonna get away with this. Yeah, he really did. He, th- I mean, th- he didn't think there was any way that this eleven-year-old girl was gonna survive. But guess what, Julian Harvey? Yeah. Oh. So. <clears throat> why do these cowards just kill themselves? You know. Because they're cowards. Yeah. Because yeah. they they would rather kill themselves than face the consequences of mm-hmm. what they did. Mm-hmm. So after Terry Joe was pulled from the from the ocean by an officer of the Greek freighter Col- 
called Captain Theo. She was taken by helicopter to a Miami hospital. Um, after a week of her, um, of her rescue, uh, officials questioned Terry Joe in her hospital bed. And as we all know, her story was vastly different from Julian Harvey's. Hmm. And, um, so they just knew that Harvey was lying, but I guess it didn't matter now because he's fucking dead. Right. So she said that her father, mother, brother, and younger sister, along with Dean Harvey, had been murdered aboard the Bluebell by Julian Harvey. Um, the police suspect that Harvey killed his wife to collect money from her life insurance. Um, but as one theory suggests that Arthur caught Harvey in the act, which mm. made him murder Witness. his whole family. Yeah. Right. But obviously they don't know because he's dead. And then Terry Joe wasn't there to see yeah. what happened. She didn't even see a single murder. She just saw dead I, family members. I wonder if it could have been like, you know, he was only planning on killing his wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, did he go out there thinking he was going to kill everybody or was it just... Well, that's the theory. Like, so they hadn't, you know, ever sailed the boat at night Mm -hmm. so they think that um he planned to do that so that in the middle of the night maybe he could could throw her overboard or Mm -hmm. something yeah kill her throw her overboard no but there would be zero witnesses Mm -hmm. he could just say she fell overboard he's Mm -hmm. devastated then collects the insurance money gotcha but then Arthur walked in on it happening, and now mm-hmm. he was like, well, I have to slaughter this whole fucking family, because the dad knows. <clears throat> so, Terry Jo returned to Green Bay to live with her father's sister and her three cousins. When she was 12, she changed her name to Terry, but it's just spelled differently. It's like T-E-R-E now, instead of T-E-R-R-Y. Mm-hmm. Uh Nearly 50 years later, in 2010, Terry finally revealed the details of the night her family was killed and her day spent drifting in open water and alone orphaned on the ocean. So she never spoke about it publicly until 50 years later. Yeah. Wow. I had read something somewhere saying that, you know, she never talked to her aunt about it. Wow. She never said a word about it to anybody besides, like, the police. I'm sure that's hard to get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like my personality, I would be telling everybody. I'd Mm -hmm. be like, guess what happened to me? Right. So she said, I always believed I was saved for a reason. If one person heals from a life tragedy after reading my story, my journey will have been worth it. Which is such a selfless thing to think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is Terry still alive? I don't know. You would think so. I mean, 2010, she She finally came public with it, and she was 11 when it happened, so she would have been in her 60s. So she'd be, like, in her 70s. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. she's an old lady. Yeah. Or, you know, dead still. I don't know. (laughs) But, yeah, that's her insane story. Can you guys imagine? I, I can't. You love the survivor stories. I really do, though. We yeah. bo- Is that the <laughs> I hope so. We both have um, different styles of what we enjoy, so I, I think that makes things even better. 
It's not even the happy ending that I like. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that people can go through such great tragedy. And pull through and and fight. Such just great turmoil and pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And then they live to see another day. And then they inspire other people, you know? I love it. There's just something so satisfying about reading that. Yeah. Go Terry Joe. Right. (laughs) But I just feel like it would be hard to endure that and then to go home and not have your family, you know? I can't imagine. I'm sure she had some survivor's guilt. Yeah. Some just... Yeah. I don't know. It's an insane story. It really is. Wow. Makes me never want to go on a boat. I want to read the story or the book. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually really love to read it. I wonder if they've made any films about it. They've probably done like little documentaries and that kind of thing, you would think. Yeah. I mean, they probably did. I watched a documentary last night Mm -hmm. after finishing up my notes. Mm -hmm. Um, Hearing her tell it is definitely different than just reading the article because you can... You can feel Feel it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was crazy for sure. (laughs) Well, I guess that's it for episode eight. Um, Sorry again about not being able to put out a listener juice episode today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe, I mean, maybe even we could get together sometime like tomorrow or Tuesday or something and release it midweek or something. Yeah. Like maybe whenever Scotty gets off Mm -hmm. work tomorrow. Or even Tuesday. We have also something um, Alyssa and I have discussed. And um, we actually asked you guys on our Facebook group if it was something you would be interested in. Um, But basically, we wanted to know if you guys would be curious if we came out with like a kind of like a surprise episode every now and again. um, Just like a midweek release. And I think everybody was all for it from you know the comments because i know sometimes waiting a week in between episodes seems like forever it does to me it does but then when we're recording it it feels like it takes so much to record one yeah it's easier it's an easier listen for them than it is for us to actually make it you know what i mean it it really is not easy Mm -hmm. recording episodes guys like we Mm -hmm. really do struggle sometimes (laughs) weekly yeah yeah today was rough but we will get that listener episode or listener juice episode out asap so no worries but send us stories guys seriously we need more for next month Yes, if we don't get more, then... We won't be able to do it. So, oh well, to all you who enjoyed them. Right. I mean, we could probably do one for next month. We just wouldn't do three stories each. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I know you guys got some wild stories. There's a thousand of you in the group. Right. Some of y'all have to have multiple stories. Yes. Send us your emails. Don't drink the Jones juice at gmail.com. Make sure to put listener juice in the subject. Yes, um, you can also find our Facebook group that we always talk about <laughs> at For God's Sake, Don't Drink the Jones Juice. You guys, if you're listening from other countries, join us. Yes, please. Other do. states, even if you're in Covington or Monticello, we still want you there. Yes. Um, come join the fun. We have a good time. It's, it's always something in there. <laughs> always, so. yeah. Always. You might might could uh, get in our next giveaway whenever that will be. Yeah. I think we're going to do a different prize this time. Yeah. So you guys get It'll excited be for it. A fun one. Something different than the uh, usual t-shirt giveaway. Yeah. So. 
with that being said, um, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, um, never mind. I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, I know we already plugged our Instagram, but you can follow that at Don't Drink the Jones Juice. Um, our store frontier. Mm-hmm. You can find our merch. I think we've got like one, two, three, four, five shirts on there, mm-hmm. and then we have one design for a, a mask, mm-hmm. um, and that's Store Frontier. slash Don't Drink the Jones Juice. Yeah. 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 Check it out and get you something cool. Tell your friends, tell mm-hmm. your loved ones, mm-hmm. tell your mom. Actually, don't tell your mom. <laughs> she probably wouldn't <laughs> want to hear it. <sighs> well, thank you guys for listening, as always. Is that everything? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, for God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice.